Welcome to episode 233 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, welcome along to episode 233 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Sensational, and you? You are sensational. Well, I, I, I'm pretty excited, John. Do you know why? Because I'm running marathons. Yeah, I was actually going to say that. <laughs> I, feel, I really was. How are you feeling about it? I'm good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to happen. Gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I've got extreme faith in myself. Extreme faith in the extreme result, and that brings us to our sponsors, John. Athlinks.com. Check it out. Athlinks for social networking for endurance athletes. I put my at my... I report up there as soon as possible after the race. Sub, sub 220, I'm thinking. Extreme endurance. Ready for this extreme race. And I've been popping it. You've been doing the eight a day, like he says. Yep. Yeah. And coffeesofwai.com. And then after the race, or maybe in the morning of the race for the caffeine hit. A bit, of a bit of a latte or something. When, when do you fly up? I'm doing a 24 hour trip. Fly up Saturday, middle of the day. Fly back Sunday, middle of the day. Where are you staying? At a mate's place. Oh, nice. Oh, it's exciting week in the joint. This could be a week to remember for the rest of your life or one to forget. It's going to be to remember. I, I'm hoping it's to remember. On this week's show, we've actually got some really exciting news coming up. Um, but we've got a bit of news and we've got an interview with Chris Macca McCormick. Bevan did a big job. Well, I didn't actually do a big job. I'm going to give a bit of love to someone else before we do the interview, but um, I'll tell you about that later on because it's a bit of a funny story about how it all happened. So um, we've got to, he, we, he talked to us for an hour ten, or to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he talked to me for an hour ten. So it's, it's a great interview, and he really breaks down. We go from the start of the race day, talk to him about the race for like half an hour, right down right to the finish. Uh, we just talk a little bit about the season and other things as well. So uh, that's going to be coming after news and hot topics. So uh, let's get into it. News is proudly brought to you by xtry.com. Check out xtry for the latest news, reviews, and interviews with the stars. And first of all, John, the big news of the week was probably Challenge Great Barrier Reef. And we didn't talk about it last week, did no, we? No, we didn't. We, we talked that it may happen, but it actually got yeah. released that day. So, so interesting massive. things for, for me are it's going to obviously be a nice scenic course by the sounds of it, but um, prize money, €100,000. And that's uh, that's right up there um, in terms of one of the richest rates in the world. Kona, they're claiming it's the second. Yeah, well, I'd say Kona's got the highest, and then uh, Abu Dhabi, I'm sure, is, is more than that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, okay, or, or about, about iron distance race. I'm thinking here. So it's very, very good prize money. Timing, fifth of June. It's not too bad. I guess you know you're going to start clashing with guys that would potentially do Rote or Germany because it's only a month out. So it'll be really interesting to see what sort of field they'll get. They'll get some good Aussies. They'll get some good. Well, and Ken's are still going to get good weather, aren't you? <clears throat> oh, yeah, in yeah. June, you know what I mean. Like in that, that yep. Ken's for those who don't know is, is a really hot part of Australia. Yeah. So, going to be really interesting to see how they how they get on that. I'm more interested to see how the pros are going because you are going to see some pros now. They're going to have to chase races to get enough points, and so there's only so many Ironman you can do if you're one of those guys that only does two or three a year. Um, you, you'll get all the workmen like you get Pete Rabusic there you yep. get all the, the regulars like that but uh, it'll be really interesting to see if they can get any big hitters there uh, well, yeah I think it's going to be really fascinating it's an interesting time of year isn't it that's mm-hmm. the thing it's about like Pete Jacobs I mean I think he, they got, he flew him over to be there for the launch so you'd have to assume that he's probably going to race I mean he's a good supporter of challenge races so yeah let's wait and see interesting times one thing I'm finding interesting when you look at the challenge stuff is that you know, you kind of wonder how they're going to make the money because if we look at the WTC model of merchandise seems to bring them in a lot of money. <coughs> Challenge don't really have that brand that goes along. Are you right there, mate? 
Yeah, you, you're gonna survive. <laughs> yeah, you got to be marathon this weekend, mate. You got to sort your crap out. But one thing they seem to be doing is getting the local community behind the funding of the event a lot more, don't they? Yeah, and and but I think for them, it's not all about the money. Yeah, sure, you know, it's like they've got to make money. Yeah, um, I'm sure they are. But it's not it's not profit driven. You know, it's a family business, as Felix said before. And yes, they want to make money, but. With WTC, it's all about profit. They're owned by a private equity company, so they have to be constantly thinking of that. These guys not so stressed about that, and they can take a slightly longer-term view. And they've, I guess, they've always got that little bit of a cash cow with with Rote. It's you know, sells yeah. out every year, and so they've, they've well, you know what, most of the events they're putting on now are, are pulling out big numbers mm. from the start, aren't they? Yeah. You know, Wanaka is probably the only one that took a while to actually get the numbers up, and that's only because it's in New Zealand, and that's always going to be that way. Yeah. So, um, but also, they've also released another race in Vichy. Vichy. So that's basically replacing the half they put on in France. Uh, so going to be another iron distance race. And there are a lot of half Ironmans in France. We don't talk Oh, so about it's going them. from half to full, is yeah, it? Yeah, and changing yeah. locations. So uh, good good to see another long distance race out there. There's plenty there's, yeah, there's more and more choice. They just pop them out all the time. Challenge, mm. aren't they? Mm. Okay, well, uh, some, just some, some post, post, post. Is it post, post, post? I think so. I think it's post, yeah. post, post. Kona super special. <laughs> so I was, um, part of this led on, we've also got this as another item of news. Finally, WTC have got a standalone website for the Ironman World Champs. Yeah, in the past, you've always just gone through Ironman.com and it's been epoxy sort of links and pretty poor, to be yeah, honest. kind of hard to find. Hard to find and, and not a lot of information up there. So good on them. They've now got a, a standalone website. Ironmanworldchampionships.com. I did make a couple interesting comments on it. You did? How the photos seem to have a lot more about Craig Alexander than Mecca. Yeah, and John was saying they probably did it beforehand. I'm thinking, well, it takes two minutes to change a photo. Yes, I agree. So I was a bit interested in that. And also just little things about fonts, but they could sort that out later on. Yeah. So I was on there and I... Um, as I just had a quick look through the results, and I've got a really good summary of all the results from from this year's so race. For that. Oh, we don't. I've, I've summarised. Oh, okay, fine. Then. <laughs> but um, we talked about Pete Jacobs and how good his run was over there, and it was a two forty one. And we discussed, um, you know, Mark Allen and Dave Scott yep. time that they ran. And so Pete Jacobs' run was the third fastest of all time, which is pretty incredible considering he's a he's a bloody good runner. But I, he's. I have to put something in here that may. Kind of ruined that a little bit, yeah. because in Dave Scott's days, they say that they counted the transition. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. So maybe other guys have gone faster than that. Yeah, I'm. am still giving him a lot of love. I, you know, I'm giving him a lot of love as well because you. you well, I, I can't think of anybody. The only one, Peter Kropko, he used to be pretty quick, but um, I can't think of any other guys that would okay, have gone yep. that quick. But and still, it was bloody awesome. Still, okay, sorry, but you had to bring up the point. It's my job. Okay, yeah. But I just thought for a guy who's not renowned as a runner, it was just an incredible. Well, he has to be now, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, he has to be. I mean, sure, he had the drafting penalty on the ride, but he still rode 180 k's. Yeah, and he probably would have been riding a bit angry, and uh, just an incredible run. And then on the girls' side of things, um, we know Miranda Carfrey's time was a, was a course record, but Catelyn Snow, who ran herself into the top 10, she now has the second fastest time. So she beat time. Miranda's from last year, did she? Yes. She must have, well. Yeah, so that was um, pretty incredible. So it was obviously pretty good running conditions, but at the same time, some awesome, awesome performances. <laughs> Karen Thurig, um, who we noted did like a 116 or 113 or something in the swim. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, rode 448. And then had a good 
good solid run as well, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. Fastest bike time of all time. Wow. And then on the guy's side of things, it might, again, it must have been good bike conditions because Lieto had third fastest time of all time, Michael Weiss had the fifth fastest, and 12, Mark, Mark Twelsick had the tenth fastest. So three guys getting into the top ten of all time. Uh, who had the fastest? Do you remember? Uh, I'm pretty sure, was it? It's either Tuborn Sinbali or um, Stadler. I can't remember which okay. one, which way around it was. Yep. But they were, they were a little way off the off the record, but um, still some pretty impressive riding. Yeah, great. Okay, well, uh, Resonance Henning's signed up to do Arizona, so... And the reason he's doing it is because he just wants to get some points. You know, he, he wants Has to... Has he stated that? Yeah, he, he needs to... Because he had a crappy race in Kona, he's ranked like 60th on the current rankings. Yep. You know, he wants to get his points early, so then he can do devote his year to training to to train to cut for Kona like he would have done the previous year from having that top 10 that no longer guarantees the guys have got to do an Ironman race so I think it's they still have to do an Ironman even the top 10 guys still have to do another Ironman don't they they do but I think you know this counts for him and so and he didn't have a great day in Kona so he's probably not that if he can have a great race and uh Win it and get plenty of points, then he won't have to do another Ironman next year. He'll probably have to do a couple of 70.3s just to bolster up his points a bit, but um, hopefully he'll get up there. So, good thinking. And, and, you know, I think maybe in Arizona and potentially Florida, which is in a couple of weeks' time, you may see a few of the other just turning up just, turning to, up just yeah. to, to tick the box almost okay well we had the great Floridian on last weekend and some results Jombo good on them we, we normally have to go to the site and you have to search around have they got the results up yeah. there pulled up the homepage boom cha boom right cha in front, right in front of us right in front of you guys side of things um, Aubrey Aldi from Naples Florida 947 nice but more interestingly Joe Bonis from Naples, Florida, 10.05. He's, um, is that guy there, isn't he's, he? Yep, he's a 50-plus guy. He's won the race before. Probably raced Kona the two weeks before as well. And He's uh, an animal. I remember we talked about him a few years ago on the show, and he's, he's just the guy who does, he just trains, 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 races, 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 isn't he? It's just a machine. Yeah. And Kevin... Oh, here you go. Jaworski. Jaworski in third in 10.16. And the lady side of things? Anna... Silkiano um, from Madison, Wisconsin, t- eleven twenty-one. Diane Lebar from Jupiter, nice. twenty-three. Nice. She came to Earth to do this race. <laughs> Deborah Bettigler from Salt Lake City. Jeez, we do get some names in our sport, don't we? Yeah. Good on you guys at Great Floridians. If you want to support a small local race, well, I'm not sure how small no, it was. Going for twenty years. Yeah. Or if, well, yeah. But I wonder what their numbers are like. Yeah. They've got, they've got the ultra, they've got the long, they've got the sprint, the aqua bike, the relay, the swim. So there you go. Good times at the Great Floridian. Okay. Well, let's do a sponsor because otherwise we're going to get no sponsors in this week. Coffees of Hawaii swimsuits were such a hit the way that they immediately. Here we go. They sold out immediately in Kona during race week. We took a list of 20 plus names of those who wanted swimsuits, so we are now placing another order. Place an order on our website and we'll throw in one of our commemorative. Floating Espresso Bar T-shirts for oh, wow. free. Artwork by Tony DeBoom, Tim DeBoom's brother, and super cool. So Tony DeBoom used to be a reasonably handy athlete himself, but um, and he, I think, was the guy who was behind Try Dubai when that was um, up and running oh, as well. Oh, was he? So, yeah. So get on coffeesofwai.com. You have to get on there probably this well, week. Well, the speedos were pretty popular, weren't they? They, they sold out, and they're only actually doing orders based on need. So mm-hmm. kind of like what we do with our jerseys. When enough people kind of have emailed us, we, we kind of do another order. And so they obviously were pretty popular, sold out, and they've got a waiting list of 20 that they're going to obviously get some more made for. But if you want to get on it, you've got to get on it now. And you get a free 
Floating Espresso Bar T-shirt. So no brainer, that's a bit of a no-brainer. It is. US dollars are really weak, so for any of you guys different parts of the world, get on it. It's going to be bloody US cheap. US dollars is so... What's, what's happening in America, got, mate? I don't know. Pathetic. <laughs> American economy, pull your socks up. Pull your socks. John gets paid in the US dollar. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> you need to go to Euro, mate. Oh, is Euro doesn't, doesn't make any difference. Because the Australians is as high as the American now, isn't it? New Zealand dollar is just strong. Oh, that's Kiwis. We're so strong. God, we need a few more earthquakes to weaken our economy. A few more, no, because it's, it's pumping money into the economy, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Well, the insurance money is going to, yeah. you know, four, four billion in Christchurch. It's going to be true. good for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's fitness instructors are loving it. <laughs> so get on coffeesofwire.com, get your get your uh, your togs and get your free t-shirt as well. Your togs and your free t-shirt. Okay, John, well last week on the show we had a discussion of the week based on the fact that we've added a book page to our store page. Now, did you update that? Because I looked on it last night or were you working on it last night? I've done it. I've left it for you to fix up. You said do this for me. I did it. Okay. Oh. But we did all the... Hold on. Let's, 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 yeah, let's, he gets me homework, and I always do it because I'm a good boy. I just want praise from him. He never gives it. No. And look at this store. Yeah, yeah. Store page. Book page. Well, you said to me, create a book page, and I'll do it. Where, where have all my books gone? Well, it's still on the store page because you're going to change oh, it. Okay. So the books is down there. Okay. I'll copy you need it. to do what you've done. I don't know what you did. Um, and then you need to do that. Yeah. And put it on that page there. I'll do it. Yeah. And but for now. Just go store page. Yeah, store page. Some got some books up there, and I'll be adding more to that. And we want just wanted some suggestions from you guys on on books you would recommend. So here we go. Okay, well we know we're not because of pull up page, and here comes the page right now. And good old uh, Christian Isaacson. Um, I just finished reading uh, "Racing Weight for Endurance Athlete" by Matt Fitzgerald. It's a solid read and worth the time. Nice, Olaf Schweidler. Um, that's funny because I thought the book Racing Weight for Endurance Athletes was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I could have oh, really been boiled down into a nice article in a mag. It could have really been boiled down to a nice article in a magazine. I did the 17 hours to glory. Check, check, check it out. Okay, Matt Dixon saying Joe Fareed's triathlon bible was good. It helped me build a long-term training plan. When I first started training, I read uh, John Mora's Triathlon 101. I found this very good beginner's guide. Have you read uh, Triathlon Bible? I've got it. I've just—I mean, I haven't read it cover to cover, but it's um, one of those ones that you kind of go to and back. Yep, Sarah Wynn, not really triathlon related, but I've just read "Just a Little Run Around the World" by Rosie Swale Pope. Mm. Nice. She ran around the world, and she did, and she and what she did, and what she meant. Okay. Nice. Uh, Tim Tenzing. Oh, I've got to add this up. Yeah. Born to Run. Yep. Yeah, you loved it, didn't you? Yep. So all these books will be going up on our page. You can click on them. You don't need to go and search for them, and we'll we'll, we'll find them for you. Uh, Bryce Surbach, couple of books to deal with endurance more than triathlon specifically, Born to Run. Yep. The Amateurs by David Halberstam. Yep. And the one... 17 book, Hours to Glory. 17 Hours to Glory. I have to get that. I haven't read it. It's obviously an Iron Man book. Yeah. Oh, that's that. I think that's that new one that's just come out. Um, it's sort of a history of Kona, I think. Oh, okay, cool. I think. Okay, Patrick the Healy, workouts in bold and binder for indoor cycling. Uh, to, Freed and Dirk Fregel and, uh, and uh, Wes Hobson gets me through the winter and with about half about 50 different trainer workouts which adds some variety as usual indoor trainer boredom and also from Lance to Lannis uh, yeah good one I've read that that's, that's so what's that about uh, just about drugs really drugs and, and he's saying Lance did it oh uh, it's, it's a few years old now okay. so but yes <laughs> Neil oh. Skulls uh, sticking to the triathlon specific book Finding the Wheels Hub written by Scott Timley I wonder how much of these guys these guys these books actually they write 
You know what I mean? Because you often get it right, don't yes. you? Yes. I think the early ones, like Tinley and, and Alan and all those guys who did some early books, I'm sure they would have had, because they were starting from scratch. Yeah. You know? I remember he had one of the first triathlon coaching books, Scott Tinley. Did Tra- he? Training and racing for triathlons. I, I think I think Elder Hallimans yeah. used to have a, you know, he used to have the, um, what's that, that yeah, show yeah, stuff? Yeah. Um, he, uh, Hallimans used to have all his, books in there and it was one of those was there yeah yeah and an old school way eh? oh yeah the big shades yeah. you know yeah loving it the the, the material sort of helmet very yeah. unsafe he's also got racing the sunset uh by scott tinley uh going along by gordo i've got that up there already yep jay splendid spinner waters um have read a great number of tribe books but struggle to find any worthy of recommendation oh that's interesting triathlon endurance sport related a complete guide to endurance training by john ackland is a well-rounded mm-hmm. book um, exercise physiology, human bioenergetics, um, and its application by George Brooks. Whoa, he's getting a bit brainiac, honestly. Um, here, he's going, going hard school. We'll have a look at those, Jay. Thank you. He's uh, and Andrew Brenda Surge is just saying, uh, no one's mentioned DVDs, but he would say what it takes. I think I've seen what it takes. Oh, yeah, we have. That was the one, yeah, you know, um, like a no, like Reed and oh, and leading yeah. out to Kona and Heather Fuhrer and stuff. It was okay. It was okay. It was a pity they had bad races. Yes, that was the problem with it. It was it was pretty interesting looking at the lifestyle, but um, I'm just pulling up my books page, John. Okay. Okay. You what, what books are you recommending? Um, you kind of already have, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Born to Run. You you you, you just you don't need to do nap even. You just let me know and I'll, I'll put. Oh, I want to get my I want to get the list as one book to listen okay. to. Sex Detox. Oh yeah. Uh, she comes first. <laughs> yeah, that, he's not joking. That is actually on there. <laughs> um, I, I read a lot of books. <laughs> Uh, which one? Uh, one I read lately, which I kind of liked, was one called Switch, uh, and it's about um, how to change behaviours, which is kind of interesting. And so uh, it's by the guys who did Made to Stick, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have done, heard of around business. Made to Stick yeah. was honestly was kind of like the book of its year. It came out about two years ago. Really interesting book. And now, what sells an idea and what keeps the idea in your mind? Love the book. And the same guys, Dan and Chip Heath, uh, brought out Switch recently, which I've just listened to and I thought was pretty cool. So another one which um, uh, Tom from Marathon Talk actually recommended to me was The End of Overeating, which I'm just listening to right now. And I'm, I'm just about to finish it. And it's, it's really interesting. Well, listen, because I listen to books more than read them. But... Um, it's a really interesting listen, and I, th- and I think it's a really interesting listen for us athletes because, as athletes, um, we do tend to overeat because we can. And I think the the downfall of it is is when we stop that athletic career, we've installed these really bad habits. And I know it's something I'm a little bit self aware of myself. So um, it's, it's just a really interesting like what the food industry does to make food addictive for us. Oh, yeah. Well, they've, they've figured out that if you chew less, you eat more. So, like, if you go to a restaurant like Chili's mm. and you get more water in the, in the chicken, so right. you're, instead of having 13 chews, you only have six. <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah. Like, it's just amazing, man. It's a fascinating read. So, uh, The End of Overeating by David Kelser, or Kesser, and, uh, I'll, yeah, John will do that. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, uh, next sponsor. Let's do a sponsor. Oh, no, this week's discussion. So, this week's discussion was sent through from Ian Tansley. Tim Tansley. Tim Tansley, oh, we don't get Ian. Okay, what endurance events have equal status to an Ironman or maybe even greater status than Kona? Uh, he's thinking of events like the Comrades, Ultra Marathon, the Trans Rockies, Wales, Alps, mountain bike stage races, uh, Marathon de Sablaise, uh, Escape, Etape de Tour. Etape de Tour. So, yeah, basically events out there that are not 
direct Iron Man related that uh, just the real world I, that are really know, hard that you could say to someone in the street who knows the bugger about the sport that they may know about it yeah, yeah. I rode the Tour de France <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that anyway so yeah. give us your thoughts on um, non-triathlon tricky races out there they've got good kudos okay good kudos with the races next sponsor Extreme Endurance you asked me last week um, you were sort of saying oh you're noticing when you're taking the Extreme Endurance you know lactic build up and I was like well I'm running well yeah. and, and, it's, and, and I guess you know I'm feeling good and, and the lactic acid obviously isn't doesn't seem to be there as much but that's just hopefully maybe because I got my periodization right and yep. I've, been, I've been on the Extreme Endurance since I was feeling crappy and it has helped turn things around but one thing I did think about last week was a lot less muscle soreness really? like when I did the 5k um, the week before last no muscle soreness really like, like basically none so, sure I still had a bit of tiredness in the legs the next day but yeah but normally no when you smack out a 5k yeah and I was full bloody noise on that I wasn't um, what'd you do 16 what 16 11 it's not that oh, good. especially when work. one of my athletes went out and last week and ran 15 40 oh really yeah, was that I'm, I'm normally about even with him Mike Phillips young fella oh, Mike mate you just dominated the coach mm. I and mean, then we were supposed to go head to head last week, but I had a little bit of a mishap, so I couldn't run. Oh, so. bugger. I'm hating it. <laughs> it was a bit blustery the night that I ran, as I pointed out to him. All I'm hearing is excuses. But anyway, yeah, that, I just thought that was one interesting thing is one thing we talk about from a coaching perspective in terms of um, new training is, is trying to be as consistent as possible, and racing does interrupt that. So you need, you know, you obviously need to do racing, but. There's always a trade-off to doing that, and if you can figure out ways where you can, you know, reduce, as Bevan said, oh, I just leave your phone on. Oh uh, no, because we've got to get Usher tickets today, John. Usher. Usher, you know, Usher, the singer. It's Richard sing- Richard Usher singing. I'll give you some points because that was pretty quick. I'll give you that, but but Usher, you know Usher? No, I don't. You do not know Usher? No. He's like the biggest singer in the world right now. Don't well, know. my daughter and my sister want to go to it, and I'm the only one at home at nine o'clock, so I'll get their tickets. Okay, it's going to sell out. Yeah, is it? Honestly, I probably won't be able to get them because it will sell out in seconds. Okay. But um, anyway, so there was just one thing that I've noted was that I seem to be getting a lot less muscle soreness, and also from longer runs, I'm getting a lot less muscle soreness. Well, and, so. and that's that's really great because I remember I, I, not, not, I don't want to bring drugs into it, but I remember I read that article in Outback. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside magazine years yep. ago about the guy who did drugs mm-hmm. and he was saying the best thing about doing drugs was that it wasn't necessarily that you were going that much better in training it's just that the next day it felt like you'd done nothing mm-hmm. and that's where the gain came and, and obviously with extreme endurance it's not a drug so if you can get that same you know post-training recovery you're going to train better the next day and so obviously you know because mm-hmm. after you've done a 5k race normally yeah. the next couple of days you're kind of just plodding along yeah. ticking the box aren't you yeah so Get yourself some lactic acid buffering extreme endurance. Just go through our website um, or go direct to xendurance.com. Put in the code IMTALK and get yourself a deal. Okay, John. Um, I'm just pulling up a website here right now because I need to talk to this before we put the interview on. So but, Be- um, Bevan gives me a call yesterday. Um, I'm interviewing Mecca in about an hour's time. Yeah. Said, Sorry, I'm going for a run. Are you free? No. No. What <laughs> was the love for the show, John? Okay, Ian Devon. He went on Mac. He went on. Uh, he went on Twitter, and uh, he was just here. Here's a message I got from him. I just got back from two weeks in Kona, where I've been podcast recluse. Uh, uh, as I neared the end of my day at work at Kona, predictions podcast started. I haven't yet finished it, but uh, with the benefit of hindsight, I laughed loudly as John wrote off Macca and Bevan defended him. Just, just remember that Macca if you listen to this. And I posted on Twitter, and I was amused. 
that Mecca replied. So he, he gave you crap for saying, just catching up on I Am Talk, Co Super Kona Super Special, with John saying, and he's put at Mecca now, that's Mecca's Twitter feed, uh, can't win. Hope Bevan gave him crap about that part too, So which I did. And then Mecca replied, John should start watching more races and not just results. Oh, he's digging it at you, John. Uh, racing in Europe is tough. Called it two years ago, Europeans are coming. And he actually talks about this in an interview, how uh, American races is just a bit easy. And, you know, you go to Europe and the fields are strong and, you know, America, you can turn up, you can pretty much, for someone of his level, obviously, just want to get lots of PR, but not, you know, actually maybe develop yourself as an athlete. So so then uh, I, I replied to Mecca, said, do you want to jump on for an interview? And he said, yep, love to. So uh, so that's what happened. So now we've got Mecca for an hour 10. Um, always a good interview. Uh, great coverage of this year. Let's chuck it on. For the record, I said he couldn't win. You did? I did, but I said I thought he'd get in the top five. Well, that's not winning. Good. I know. Hey, yeah, who won it? You didn't say he was going to win. Yes, I did. You I did said, it. I said. I listened to it. No, you did not. I'm not I can always put that on there. I said, if he's in a position close to the end, he'll win it. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. People have heard, John. You're only lying to yourself. <laughs> I'm going to keep lying to myself. I'm going to keep believing. <laughs> keep believing. Live in denial. Okay, here's Mecca. Bloody hell. <laughs> It's, we've, got, we've got Macca back on the show. He's been on the show a few times, obviously, in the interviews we did with Rote with him, and uh, it's probably the best time to have him on the show because uh, it's straight after is obviously a huge event in his life. And uh, just welcome to the show, Macca, mate. Oh, thanks. Good to be back on. Yeah, I get to have you back on, mate. It's good. Hey, um, I thought we actually wouldn't even start talking about Hawaii and talk on it later on in the interview. I thought we'd probably even talk a little bit more about your year leading up to Hawaii. Um, just want to talk us through what's, how the year's been going. I had a good year, I think. I, you know, after uh, '09, I thought I had a great away. Some some issues in the swim put me out of contention, I think. But I, you know, I, I went back to the drawing board like I do every year and assessed, you know, what what needed to change, why why I had some issues on the marathon and, and what happened. And uh, I looked at my racing calendar and I, I'd raced seven seventy point threes in 2009 and I just think it was a little much I'm a little older now I had to take that into consideration and so we adjusted that for 2010 and dropped from 7 to 2 and started focusing more on Olympic distance races so you saw me in races like Alcatraz and that this year and um I just wanted to be fresh. I think as you get into your late 30s, which I am now, 37, you, you just can't expect your body to do the things it was doing when it was was in its early 30s and if, if not its late 20s. And I, I think I I made those tweak adjustments. And, uh, yeah, I think I had a good season. I wasn't winning the races because I was doing races that I shouldn't be winning. I'm racing Bevan Doherty and these guys who were specialists at... at uh, at Olympic distance and um, you know trying to be as close to them as possible but I overall we were happy with my progress and we had to our main test race was the the 70.3 in Austria I wanted to have a really really good hit out there and um, and I got beaten by um, the, the Czech guy um, Philip Osplay and uh, but I was able to beat Marino Valenhack and Andreas Raitlert who we find out later in the season had great great corners so I, um, you know, I had a good year. You know, Frankfurt, I, I put Frankfurt late on the list. I got an offer there five weeks out before that event, decided to throw it on the list and try some new things, got towed up by Andreas. But overall, I I was content. You know, we, we sort of stuck with the plan. We we made some adjustments. I've never been 37 before, and I had to trust the, the people who I've been working with my entire career to, and trust myself that, 
so yeah, freshening up and, and changing things around when you when you're getting older is the right thing if you if you're targeting Kona. Going back to last year's Kona, you know, like last year's Kona, for, you know, I was there. I saw you do the race, and to me, uh, display of effort in the race, you showed the most character of all the athletes on the race. And um, just, just what was that race like for you, like last year? Because you, you attack that run so hard at the start, and then you're cracked. And you're most athletes, once they crack, it's game over. But for some reason, you're able to just to dig deep and pull yourself through. What was that like? I think I think last year's Kona was my best ever Kona. You know, people in, people in sport tend to to watch results they don't watch races yeah. and uh you know they tend to measure a performance on a result but on a personal level as an athlete when you when you when you take the result aside i think it was my best ever kona i you know i i had a terrible swim you know i and i'm not here to make excuses for why i swam bad i don't know why i swam bad but i had a terrible you put your finger on that or is it just i, I, I haven't we couldn't work it out because in training everything was was great i we, we put it down to basically that i thought i was in the front group oh, you know you yeah. sort of you swim there <laughs> i had this yeah. paddler in you know he's i'm not a front front of the front group swimmer and i was sitting about 10 rows back and there was a paddler there and i just assumed that was the front group i didn't know there'd been an escape but you know, I had a terrible swim. I was three minutes thirty down on guys I get out the water with in every race I ever do. So they put me on the back foot, and uh, but I, I fought on. You know, and you know, I think it showed a character change from the athlete I was in two thousand and two, that young kid who first came to Kona, to to the athlete I, that the sport I guess matured me into, or the person I matured into. I was a fighter, and I thought, you know what, put my head down and bum up, and you know, and I did it. A Kona, really, on my own all day. Yeah. I never, I didn't see anyone besides Norman Stadler. We, um, you know, I, I pushed hard on the bike. I, I rode through the group and put myself in a position to win. And um, you know, ran solid in that marathon. And then really had some issues at mile marker ten and eleven. And went from thinking I was going to win the race at mile marker six, seven, eight, so, nine, so ten you, to you're sitting there and you're going, I've got it. I thought I had it, yeah, and then to thinking, man, I'm not going to finish it. I don't think I'm going to finish, and yeah. then, you know, I had three miles of absolute hell, and then to come out the other side of that and then, you know, put myself within four minutes of the win, I walked away from that race hugely happy. Like, you know, I was beaten by three better guys on the day, but on a personal level, you know, I had my head held high. I I was very, very happy with my performance that day, and I was surprised when I left. People were like, "Oh, Mac is finished," you know. I was like, thinking far out. I, I'm, I'm four minutes from the win. Don't you follow the sport? I've never been that far behind in a swim. Yeah. That's that's something wrong there. If you take that swim and put me in back in the group, I'm running. I'm running for the win. Yeah. How can you not see that? It was. It was. That's when I started saying, realizing that people just watch results. They don't watch races. And so with regards to that, you know, this year, obviously, you know, people obviously have been thinking maybe you're a bit past it. You know, going into this year, did, did you get a lot of that feeling coming from the media and that around what was happening with you? Oh, 100%. I did. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I, the media tends to age you, you know. I, I think age... You know, you never feel old, but suddenly people start saying, oh, he's old, and I'm sitting there going, man, I'm the same age as Craig Alexander. I'm a year and a half younger than Chris Lieto. It's it's amazing. I'm I'm suddenly old. Yeah. No, he's got family. Well, so do these guys. And I um, I just think it's, um, you know, I've always been very, very, you know, I guess it's got me not got me in trouble, but I always study my opposition, always have since the day I started the sport. I, I was calling Rasmus Henning as a, 
as a future champion of this sport of Ironman years ago, last time we, we spoke on this show in Roth. Yeah. And yeah. I know my, my competitors are capable of it, and I, I'm very, very meticulous in my preparation of what of watching races. I don't I don't just run down a list on the weekend and go, oh, well, Craig Alexander was first and Richie Cunningham second and Andy Potts was... I look at what they swam, what they biked. I know what, what he did three weeks before and I look at trends in their season, trends in their racings. And, and when you know trends of an athlete, you can start to highlight their strengths and weaknesses, what conditions suit them, what type of courses suit them. What, and when you have that knowledge that, you know, most professional sports, people tend to focus on that kind of knowledge but in triathlon it tends to be yeah. we jump from bandwagon to bandwagon no one ever takes that kind of depth of of um of viewing a, our our sport and uh you know i um i felt my last two i think my last two seasons have been fantastic like i thought like on when i've raced I've, I've raced very very well i just haven't raced in the states and it had i wanted to come to the states and then five i could have easily had 570.3 wins i'm going to go on our record and say racing in america is easy you, nice. the fields are diluted there's 2070.3 races and you get one guy per race is any good you go to europe there's 670.3 races there's a hundred guys and 40 of them are good yeah. so a fourth place in ironman or a third place in ironman germany is worth an ironman winning in in the USA and the same in 70.3s I think we get this the sport is American but we get this false sense of of not giving the European races and the European athletes the respect they deserve like they're the competition is much higher. John and I were actually talking on the show last week a little bit about the dominance of ITU being kind of European now, really, when you look at the athletes coming through. Um, and that if you look at what's happening in Kona now, it really is the ITUs coming into, you know, the, moving on from ITU into the to Ironman distance. You know, like realistically, do we see any American guys being strong in Ironman over the next period? I, I just think that this. The European psyche suits triathlon. The European psyche suits Ironman, and uh, and uh, they are very, very, very meticulous in their preparation, and their and their racing is very, very highly competitive. And these are, and they don't avoid each other. Like there's, and you have to go and race. It's a different style of racing in Europe to to America. It's much more aggressive. It's much faster, and it's it's much more borderline. You sit very, very close to that fine line of, of, of exploding. The guys are, and, and you come to America, it's a lot more placid. Uh, but yet, the sport is, you know, the the magazines, everything is out of the states. So we, uh, the magazine, there's a lot of hype around a lot of athletes here who are great athletes, but and not a lot of hype around great athletes like Marino Vanaka. Like he, he's 7:52, man. Yeah. This year in Austria, he, he's won it four times, and yeah. and no one is giving this guy. He's turning up in Kona, and he's rated 15 to 1 chance of winning. Yeah. I'm like, man, are you, you know, and you're putting Andy, like Andy Potts is phenomenal, but he hasn't, he's not, he hasn't put the runs on the yeah, board yet of, of a Marino who, and and there's a lot of European guys that aren't getting that, that respect. Timo Brucht, you know, um, you know, and look at the Europeans that are coming here. Michael Raylett pops in over here his first year and dominates, wins the world championship and hasn't lost a 70.3. Yeah. Oh, I might come to America, and suddenly he's, a, he's he's new to the sport. The guy's been racing in Europe for ten years. Yeah. We're racing Michael since two thousand and three, you know, and he's a new 
discovery here in, in the United States. I just think the sport, if it wants to truly be global, we need to start giving the Europeans and the European races the respect they deserve and really starting to focus on 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 the style of racing there and how difficult it is to be competitive there and, and comparing that to events in the United States and saying, hey, it's not, a, not who has the most 70.3 victories who's necessarily the best guy that's having the best season that year. It's, it's the quality of fields that people are racing. Okay, so I'm just going to go back to the age question a little bit. Like, you know, like, it's very, we're a very ego-driven sport. Although I know you were kind of ticking the boxes and going through the process which you thought was going to make you most successful in race day, and obviously it worked, but how were you taking it, you know, because it must kind of take a chip off your shoulders a little bit hearing everyone saying you're old. Were you able to just let go of that, or...? Um, I, I really tried to stay. My wife seems to read a lot more of the stuff than I do and fills me in, and I... I was like, I, I never really took much notice of it because it was in my world. Your whole, my whole focus is me, I guess. I guess my my team and and we have an objective, and that's to to be the best we can be in October. And um, and I'm always I'm a glass half full guy. I I walked away, like I said, from Kona, and I thought there was there was no, you know, in 2009 there was no like, mate, I'm outclassed here. There's time to hang the shoes up. You know, and I'll be the first person when I feel that. I'm 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 not gonna be one of those heavyweight fighters that come back for that you know, they keep fighting when it's the time to go. I, I I when I feel it's my time to go, I'll go. When I feel I've I've got nowhere left to go or I can't compete anymore, then I will happily walk away. But I still I definitely felt that I I wasn't outclassed in 09. I lost the race, but I lost the race through through areas that I could improve. It wasn't as if I was outplayed and um, the guys just performed better on a day. Had the race been run the next day, the result could have been completely different. And um, so you draw confidence from that and you don't, you try not to buy into into the hype, but you know, you just set about going home, going back to the drawing board. It's all I've ever known. Okay, resetting. How can we be better? How can we not make those mistakes? Who am I racing? Who do I see as the threats? How's the best way of beating these guys? And that's the process. And uh, you know, you read it, and and I'm reading that I was old. You know, three weeks before the, I'm like, mate, do you know the age of the guys I'm racing? They're the same age as me. Yeah. If I'm old, then they're old. And and I and you sort of no you don't get a chip on your shoulder but you're a little bit going you know what oh, I want to I definitely want to prove you guys wrong but I I definitely want to get that microphone after it and go well what do you say about that then and if you guys are the so-called experts then suddenly an old grandfather that you called a grandfather two days ago has just towed up all the young guys maybe these young guys you've been calling heroes aren't as good as as you're saying they are, because yesterday you were saying I was old and over the hill. Well, that old over the hill guy just towed up this new generation, so maybe you guys, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And yeah. you know, you feel like it's you draw. You're looking for motivation. You're not when I say looking for motivation. You're looking for ways to draw desire and 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 grit and uh, you know those things. Yeah, you do. You do run them through your head. Come race day. So, so one thing I noticed when you post-race interview is, is and, and you never hear this from other athletes, and, and, and like one thing I've, I think everyone who's ever listened to you has picked up on is, is your love of the sport and the, the detail you put into the, the preparation of what you're doing. And, you know, the fact in your pre-race or post-race interview, you were talking about how for about eight months you've been talking to other guys about how you need to kind of get rid of Crowey because obviously if you get off the bike from probably no one's going to run with him. So, you know, like... Are, you, are the other guys doing that kind of strategy, or are you really the only guy who's doing it that well? 
I often, we just talked about that tonight here in San Diego. I was talking at the Tri Club here, and a lot of people asked me that question. who have been following my career. My said, Mac, you seem to be the only strategic racer well, in the sport of triathlon. Let's put it that way. When we're like, we're not picking up pros. We're level with other pros. But when we talk to other pros, they never talk about the, the, work, the way they work the field, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think, well, no, I think, you know, I, like I said, I, 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 I sit down and I look at, I think the other, you know, the other athletes seem to get offended that I that I talk like this. I think they should be flattered yep. that I know them so intimate, so well. Like I that I take the time to sit down and watch video of Craig Alexander and go, okay, or and I've known him my whole career and go, well, this is where I think his weaknesses are. And I say to people, if we were going to war, and I'm not being melodramatic here, but in my world, Ironman World Championships is my own personal war. If I was going to war in Europe. I would want to know everything about the countries I was about to fight. You don't go in with, with oh, let's cross fingers and hope for the best. Let's send our troops in and hope we win this thing. That's an that's an amateur. That's that's that that is just absolutely ludicrous that you would think that way. Yet I and so I, I would want to know everything about the countries I was fighting. Well, I treat the athletes I'm racing as as countries I'm about to go to war with. I want to know everything about them. I want to follow their season. I want to know their strengths and weaknesses. I want to know what it will take for me, being honest with myself, what I think I need to do to beat these guys. Yep. And, you know, these guys are like, oh, Macca talks it up, or Macca's picking on me, or Macca Macca's, should just worry about himself. Well, I am worrying about myself. That's exactly what I'm worrying about. And by worrying about myself, I'm finding your weaknesses, and I'm going to work the field the best way I possibly can to make sure it plays out my way. So, yeah, I do worry about myself. And uh, But I, I've often said I, I find the guys get very, 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 I don't know whether it's insecurity or whether when you highlight someone's weakness and they know it deep inside and they're trying to hide it, they 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 get offended by it. But, I yeah, I, I did. I, I realised that I honestly believe that Craig Alexander in a hot race, if it's a soft bike, is the best runner in the field. Yep. He's the best. Yep. So why the hell would I want to get off? Why the hell would I want to make the bike ride a soft bike ride yep. and get off the bike with him if I want to win the race? Yep. Like it doesn't make sense. So I'm looking. I'm going to try and get away. And then I'm thinking I don't want to get away on my own because I don't want to be a liado yep. and lay out too much. I want to take allies with me, but allies I can control. But that's very, very political and very, very difficult to do. And so you you spend a season or you spend a way of of using interviews and radio shows like this and, and magazine articles and, and telling people, because I don't think people do think this way, telling people what you think. This is what I think. Hey, guys. And if you watch Training Day, uh, uh, a thing I did on competitor um, TV when I was in Alabama in March of this year, yep. of 2010, I said, Farris, Norman, Timo, Andreas, let's attack at Kauai High Let's distance ourselves from the runners, and I guarantee you they will not come. They will not like the crosswinds. And we, mate, it's like I called what was going to happen in the race in March. It's exactly what happened. The runners don't like the crosswind, and we got away between Kauai High and Harvey. Do you, do, you, do you find it's hard to convince the other guys? Because, you know, like, that, you know, people probably don't trust you, and, you know, they obviously know that your motive is to get you get the best result. And you find, like, do you approach actual athletes and say, hey, look, you know, do you go to someone like, I don't know, Ferris, and say, look, Ferris, this is our best way to get the best result? And if so, do you get buy-in from guys? I think I think you know it in the sense that athletes' ego tend to cover, 
you know that athletes are going to they're going to be listening to this radio show yeah. and they're going to walk away from this radio show and go, geez, Mac is a what's Macca's go? He's a jerk. I can't cop this guy. I don't like him. Yeah. They, but, and I bank on the fact that people that every athlete has an ego and every athlete's vain and they're going to read other athletes' interviews and and they're going to take from it what they want. And so you um you need to form alliances but you need to tell people because I honestly don't think some people have ever thought it they just do a b and get results c they don't they just know physical training many the i man as a sport has just come about you know you watch the old interviews i worry about my race i worry about thing i don't care about it's, it's, it's rubbish it doesn't work like that and so i don't think a lot of them have that mindset they don't often think about about other people and i think when you start putting it out there and I think sometimes a light goes off in the head and goes, you know what, you're you're right. And so when I'm looking at an athlete like, say, a, a Timo Bracht, who I'm friends with, who is a lovely, lovely guy, you know, I'm not saying, hey, Timo, what we need to do in Hawaii is you and me. When I'm saying, mate, Timo, you're racing really, really well this year. You're half a shot in Kona, so am I. But, mate, trust me, you don't want to get off the bike with, with the runners. You're a good bike rider. Why would you want to... Why hedge your bet back with this group? If you want to win this thing, take a chance. Let's go. You're better off running against me and Andreas and rolling the dice there than, than running with Rasmus and, and Crowley and and the Neko and the and the fast guys and, and Pete Jacobs. Why why do that then? Terenzo Bazzoni, why do that? And you try and tell them that you hope that they're gonna go away. And and think about that themselves. You know, there's no guarantees out there. I didn't I didn't stand on the start line this year in Kona and go, cool, at Kauai High, six guys are going to go up the road. I, yeah. I hoped that was the case. I hoped that I'd told them all that. I was prepared to go that way. And I, and I know guys are prepared to do that. They, they have to be prepared because they know what I'm saying is true. Like, you know, like, Craig is good when it's hot and soft. Craig... Craig Alexander, he, can, he will swim 51 minutes, he will ride 437 to 440, and he'll run 245 or better. It's every Ironman he's ever done. Go and check him out. Yeah. It's the same time. This year he went two minutes, he did a two-minute PB in Kona, and he did it by running quicker. He didn't swim any faster. He didn't bike any faster. He ran faster. And, and when you highlight this to the guys, they go back and they look at it and say, you know what, Mac is right. I know I'm right. And when I'm not telling them rubbish, I, I meticulously study this. My team meticulously study this. And I, I think the guys should be flattered. I can tell you anything. I can tell you Marino's times. I, I know what these guys are doing. I I'm, I know what Andreas is capable of. I know that his marathons aren't stellar yet. His best marathon, I think, was Kona this year, 244. Prior to that, it was Arizona, 248 on debut. He ran 251 in Frankfurt this year. He ran 250. Three last year in in Hawaii, like he, he's he hadn't put together a good marathon, and these are these are things he's going to have to deal with. Why does the sport have this? You know, like you know, like you you know, it doesn't seem to be that you know your style, and you know, I'm sure there may be other athletes looking at it at the same level. I'm not going to say you're the only guy doing it, but why isn't it that we are more professional in the way we're approaching the big race? You know, why why do you think triathlon lacks this? I don't know why. I think I think everybody's scared. everybody's scared to say anything because everyone's scared of being labelled a cocky or opinionated or oh geez. I think the sport in itself is is not you know you're not allowed to state your intentions or you're not allowed to say I'm here to win. You know it's just not, it's all about it's been built up on this whole 
you know, I just concentrate about my day. Endurance racing is you versus you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and th- there is no thought of the other competitor. That's that's what Iron Man was. You know, it's your day. You know, you worry about you. You worry about your nutrition. You don't. I don't let the energy of other people come in. That's that's true. But the sport is evolving. The sport is. There's 50 guys in the front bunch now. It's not five. Yeah. It ain't. You know, it's. And these guys are good. They're very, very good, and and not all of them can win the race, but all of them can change the race to some degree. They may not. They can change the outcome. They can change the way the race will be raced. You know, guys like Luke McKenzie. He's not ready to win Kona. Maybe in the future he can win Kona. It's not there yet, but his his swim and bike is strong enough to do things or to to. He's a great ally. For someone like me, it'd be like, you know, well, Luke, you, your run's not quite there yet. You're still young. You've got many years to go, but you're a very good swim biker. You, why not be aggressive? Why not take that chance? You know, and these are the people that you can that, that can change an event for you. And and that's why the sport is different now. And and that's why strategy in in attacking a race like Kona, if you want to win it, it. It, it, it's changing. It has to come into play. And, and if you want to, you're a dinosaur if you don't think that way, you're going to be made obsolete because the Europeans and their teams, the Commerce Bank, these things are starting to think this way. Yep. The question I have just before we kind of head into the Hawaii stuff is, is the star factor, you know, like I always, I always think of people like you and Chrissy and, and, you know, the kind of the stars of our sport and, how do you keep it real in real life? Because I imagine, like, you know, like, you're always talking about yourself. And I'm not giving you shit about that. I mean, just... <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, when someone's around you, they want to know about you because you're Mecca and, and Chrissy's Chrissy and Craig's Alexander. You know what I mean? Like, these people, you, you are the type of person who's a star. And so attention's always about you. What keeps you real? I don't... But the thing is, I, we go to towns where we're not stars. So I don't live in Boulder because... I, I struggle with that a lot. I struggle with, I struggle with this with that side of the sport. We live in LA where we're, you're invisible. We, I've always lived in towns where there's nobody. I, I I couldn't deal with Boulder. I don't know how the guys do it. Where and a beautiful place, beautiful training grounds, but the scene is too much for me. But it's just I can't. Or if I have a beer at dinner, I'm an alcoholic. Or if I have a, you know, it's just like far out. But some of the guys feed off that. They live for that. It's just not my cup of tea. We, My wife and my family, when we're in America, we live in L.A. L.A. is a big city. There's a lot of triathletes here, but you, you hide. You don't see them. And you can do your own thing. And you're, you're you know, surely, it, obviously, at races, it's a different thing. But you've, over the years, you come to... You come to go with the highs and lows of racing. You know, as the race comes, as you arrive, it's going to be, boom, energy, 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 energy. But, you know, it's over on the Sunday. And I, I love it. I don't I don't hate it by any means, but I, I definitely need my away. Yeah. I don't. I, I definitely need to come to L.A. or I go back to Sydney in the, in the, in the winters and the American summers now or I go to Europe and, and stay in Germany with, you know, places where you can be normal not that we're huge superstars but where I don't have to talk triathlon where I can focus on myself and focus on getting the job done and have no distractions do um do um wait second another question there but I've lost it okay let's go into this <laughs> this week's going <laughs> um so first of all Melina I remember when I was once running out for Melina he says they love you when you're there and when you're winning and then if you're not there they don't, they don't care about you you mentioned in your interview 
leading up to after the race that you're saying, you know, you've got no media attention this year or bugger in comparison to maybe what you've had over the last few years. So lead us into the week leading up to the race. Tell us what that was all about for you. Um, it's, it's funny because even at the top of my game, I never like, I used to always dodge the press conferences. I never, well, I always you, think. You won it last time, was it? Yeah, I, seven. Oh, yeah, I never go to any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, everything, race where everything's been said, everything's been done. You know, like the, the, the press has done your interviews, you've done your things months out. You know, they started to pass kind of, so there's nothing left to say. It's just regurgitating rubbish that's been said, to be, to be honest. It's that race. So for me, I, I was more, um, you know, when I went and did my talks and that to, to Bob Babbitt and the gang and, and, and tried to keep it low-key, I was happy that I didn't have, I'd already spoken to my sponsors, I didn't want a lot down in the in the expo this year, I just wanted to do my little key things, use my Facebook community as a way of communicating with people who wanted to know things, or hey guys, this is what's happening, and uh and really just stay with the family. You know, we have a beautiful home there. A friend of ours owns a beautiful home there at Leahy Drive. And um, we just stayed in. I trained with Terenzo and, and got the job done. And uh, I was I was in a good place. I, I was where I wanted to be weight-wise. My um, two races prior to Kona, I'd felt incredible. I'd done a massive block of work there and and um, absorbed it very, very well. And I... Um, I was quietly, quietly confident. And so when I was reading stuff, you know, I remember speaking to Bob Babbitt after a couple of Breakfast of Bob things I did. He's like, Mackie, you seem quietly confident this year. And uh, he'll be the first one to tell you. I said, Bob, there's a couple of these uh, um, online sites that have got me at seven to one. Throw yourself a lazy thousand on me because it'll be the easiest seven you've ever made. But I bet you they don't take, I said, I bet you they don't take your money. I said, and he laughed. I said, you know, I said they won't take your money. They're they're quite easy to write me off, but they, if I'm that big a write-off, something you want to throw a grand on me, and we had a chuckle. And I said, there's no guarantees in Kona, but I definitely felt, um, I thought I was ready to race. I definitely, um, and I and I liked that I was able to fly under the radar and um, and escape, but I, and I was there to, to to get a job done, and I felt felt very very good. I guess the race day. So, tell us, well, talk us through race day. Tell us what it is. Oh well, the key for me all year and and on the race day was the swim. Yeah. You know, it was all the swim. That's all. Did, did, did you have fear I, around that? Because you know, like I know last year there was that little bit of a mistake. But did you? Was there still some fear going into? The yeah, hundred percent. There was apprehension. You know, you don't know what happened last year, and you, you fear that it could happen again. I had a great swim in Frankfurt, so I I was happy about that. But I was. Very, very in that morning. Bike-wise, I knew I was in amazing bike form. Running, I, I was running very, very well in training, confident I could uh, could run well off the hard bike. But swim, I've been swimming well, but I was swimming well last year. And so you have that definite apprehension. So I was very keen to warm up well, which I did. I, um, you know, I was I was definitely alert on that on that start, and I found um, Pete Jacobs, who I did a bit of work with in Sydney this year. We trained together. In Sydney, and uh, swam a lot, and we've become very good friends with Pete. And I, and I started next to Pete. I said, "I'm starting next to you, Pete." And um, and I wanted to make sure I was very, very aware of where everyone was. Where last year I was very, you know, lax, 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 laxity, whatever, not laxity, but laxidosive of of where where the athletes were. I just sort of got on the start line. I was 
and went, okay, yeah, there's a guy, boom, I'll swim hard. But this year, I went, okay, that's, there's Rasmus and the crew, there's Potts, I knew where everyone was in relation to where I was on the swim start. I spent that time this year. It was very, very important for me to swim well. And uh, and luckily for me, I swept myself between Pete Jacobs and, and Andy Potts. Andy Potts tended to come around near Pete. And uh, when the gun went, I had a ripper start. I, was, I think I was so ready for it. And bang, I went and I, I had a little bit of a break on Pete and that, and they came past me and I rode their wake. And after about 300 metres, the three of us had distanced ourselves from the rest of the field because I'd been able to sit on their on their wake. And then by the time they pulled in front of me, I had their feet for a while, then they pulled away. And I was now leading. There was Andy Potts, Pete Jacobs, and me. And I was leading the entire, you know, I was third place, 400 metres into this swim. So, so what are you thinking there? You going? Okay, I need to back it off a little bit. Um, well, no, because I think once you know, I was once I once they were gone when I was pulling away, I was like, this is fantastic because I felt very, very good. Like uh, I'd been sitting on their hips. So a lot of the times when you sit on their hips, you're sprinting, but they're doing thirty percent of the work for you. And once yeah. they broke that, they put me in a position where okay, I was thinking now the fast swimmers have to swim around me, which is a great position to be in as opposed to being fortieth place. And losing, you know, not seeing the breaks like I did last year. Now, anyone that goes around me, I'm going to know who they are. And Rasmus Henning pulled up next to me at about quarter mile into the swim, and what, Rasmus and myself led the swim all the way to the to the first turn. And I was like, oh, ain't going to happen this year, boys. It's front bunch for me. And I was so content in the water, very very happy because I knew fitness wise and swimming wise it was it was happening, it was firing, and uh, I thought. Last year was just a freak accident. Deal with it. Last year was last year. It's back to normal. You're in the front bunch. So, so now you're feeling mentally good. Yeah, I was back to. I was yeah. The, the nerves of of whys and what ifs because you, you know the self doubt because you don't know what happened here before. They're put behind you now. I'm, I'm I'm like this is a great place to be. And then guys were coming around and in the swim after halfway, people start to panic. And I was like, don't panic. Like, you just sit. You know, I ended up getting out of the water about 14th or 15th and. And I'd already set my bag up in, in transition this year. I, I looked at my transitions last year. They were a little tardy. I was, I think, 13 seconds slower than the fastest transition. And on my run, I was 18 seconds slower. I thought I want two fastest transitions this year. So I really focused on the bags and putting, you know, the I taped my, um, my straps and my helmet to the helmet so that when I got there, there was no issues with the helmet that I had in years past. I'd just be a clip straight on. And uh, my transitions were lightning fast. I was, four, I think, third or fourth out onto the bike. And uh, I remember running out, helmet on, boom, onto the bike, going, ha-ha, game on, boys. And as we as we came out, it was a big group there with us. And I said, I ain't three minutes back this year, fellas. And uh, I really, I was really happy about that. So, then, so you get on yeah. the bike and, and kind of just sorting each other out at first? Yeah, we. It's the same. You know, it's pretty much the same script every year in Canada. That everyone panics the first, you know, twenty miles. Everyone sort of sorts for positions. It's very, very fast. And and I, I knew I didn't need to get involved in that. I don't need to show my hand this early. Five years ago, I would have been pushing at the front. You know, I, I said, you know what, just let 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 people do that that heavy lifting, play it safe, and stay out of. Uh, you know, that early section now is very, very very um 
What's the word? You, you get very Sydney. caught with 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 issue. You know, you, the main problem you have in that early section now is a drafting call or a, yeah, a blocking yeah. call or. A, so you're stressed it's, about it's, not your race. You're stressed about external. Yeah, workers, exactly. Yeah. That's that's your primary stress is staying out of those zones and being playing safe because it's it's the, the part of the race where you're going to be around so many many athletes, yeah. you know, so many of you. So. I was very, very attentive to make sure I gave extra distance there because I didn't want to get calls, and I saw a few calls getting getting pulled as we got over Polani in the first, you know, 15k after that point, and I was like, wow, these the marshals are, are going to be aggressive, and uh, so I sort of stayed out of the action. But I do remember thinking, damn, this is a huge pack, huge pack. Yeah, I was like, everyone's here. The, the days of the lonely lava fields are, are over. You know, it, it wasn't lonely. There was a lot of guys there, and. Uh, I just said, let's play it, be content, play it safe. And Lieto was there pushing at the front. And uh, I remember Andreas Raylert being really, really strong. And uh, and I remember taking note that he was he was definitely aggressive in that early phase. As I think he he drew a lot of confidence from Frankfurt, and where he buried us on the bike. And he was he was doing a lot of the heavy lifting early. And I was like, whoa, man, he's Andreas is on. But I don't think you're getting away. Not Frankfurt, Andreas. I remember thinking you've got Lieto and Rasmus and these guys around you. We're not going to let you escape. And uh, but I just sat back and watched until uh, let all the shenanigans happen for the first 25 miles. I was happy to do that. And from there? Oh, from there we sort of, you know, Lieto started to distance himself um, slowly from the group and. Um, you know, you head down past Waikoloa, heading out to Kauai High, and, and guys were getting pinged. I remember seeing Dirk Bockel and Pete Jacobs yeah. got pinged for blocking, and I was like, oh, man, uh, that sucks. And so I started to slide up a bit. I wanted to be up closer to the front, and and uh, and and so I stayed away from all that. And, I, um, you know, we, we made the left up towards, towards um, you know, you go to Kauai, I went up left towards Harvey to climb to Harvey, and... The rule now is when you pass, you have to pass the whole group. So oh, really? when people, yeah, it was, it's a tough rule. Yeah, and, it's uh, a hard rule, especially with the size really, of the Yeah, it's a really, really hard rule, it's, and there's still about 25 control, guys in it? it. Yeah, so on that climb up to what, the big descent on the climb up the first RV, you know, the whole pack pretty much went past me. You can't pull out, so I had to let everyone go up past me, and that was pretty much when um, Stadler had come through and uh, Timo Brucht had caught with him and... And there was always obviously Andreas and Farris up near the front of the group already, and so I was like, "This is cool. The pace will pick up. Those guys will take it." And uh, I want to make a move from Parker's Ranch, which is about six or seven miles up, when the crosswinds start to happen. And uh, so I sat at the back of the group, and uh, when I hit Parker's Ranch, I moved up, and and uh, those boys had gone. Norman had gone straight through the group with um, with Bruckt, and, and he'd taken Raylert and Farris with him, and and, and Marino. And I've hit the front of the group at Parker's Ranch here, 35 seconds up. I'm like, oh, man, yeah, I've missed the break. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. And I was like, okay, don't panic. I want to uh, – there's a big section up towards Harvey where you have the strong headwind. And I, you know, I've i always said in triathlon, I think you should attack into a headwind because in cycling you would never do that. Yep. But I think triathlon, you always attack into a headwind because so, triathletes are thinking of the run. They'll feel that sting in their legs when they start to chase you and they switch off. Yep. And um, so I thought, you know what, bite your time and I'll try and ride across to these guys. I was feeling good and uh, I attacked about seven miles, eight miles before Harvey and and the runners didn't come. Reynard Tissing came with me and and we, we we gapped the field very, very quickly. We gapped the pack by 150 metres, 200 metres within the space of the, a mile. And um, wow. they were 
we were getting belted by the headwind and I knew the runners with their mindset, the way they think, would not want to push that headwind. They'd be like, you know what, it's too, you know, you're only at 55 miles, 50 miles and it's a strong wind. You've got to put out a lot of power to fight it. And, uh, and they probably they think you're making pre- a mistake. They're probably going, oh, of course, safety, safety in numbers, which is, which is the mistake of the race now. It was a mistake of the old way of racing these things. It's not safety in numbers. It's, it's, you need to get away the safety in the numbers of the people that suit your whole style of racing. And, uh, so we, um, yeah, we, we tagged and Raynaud was strong, keen to, to, to go. And, you know, I said to Raynaud, we have to get across to the Stadler group before Kauai, before the push home. And, uh, we have to stay committed. Don't, don't be stupid here. Don't just sit on me. Let's let's do ten minutes each. He's like, I'm, I'm up for that, and and we did. We sort of chased up towards uh, towards Harvey. Went around at Harvey. Farris and that were about a minute down at, at the Harvey turn, and uh, I got onto the group just at the base of Kauai, of, of Kauai High. We rode onto the back of them, and within that section for us, we'd ridden three minutes out of the runners and joined the the cycling group, and I was I was happy then. Really, really happy. I was like, this is it. This is exactly, that's the critical section I've been saying for two years. And we've capitalized on it. Now the push to home, and I'm looking at the guys who are with me. I couldn't have scripted any better. I'm, I'm thinking who's back in that group. And I'm thinking, mano to mano, I, we're going to ride time out of that group because we're better bike riders, yeah. full stop. And uh, so it's just going to naturally occur that we're going to have time on that group. And I was... I was like, this is fantastic. This were is you, fantastic. Um, were you, like bridging that gap, had it taken something out of you? Were you a little bit fearful of that maybe have taken something out of you physically? Um, I was feeling, amazingly, I'd, I'd done that that loop because it was my my plan for the race. Terenzo and I and Cam Brown on training camp must have ridden that Harvey section fast 20 times. Oh, okay. You know, I'd done it so many times. I'd done a few sessions where I motor-paced out to the to Kauai High to simulate the the fast pace of um the crosswinds and stuff like of the that. of the thing and then time trial in the crosswinds. So I was so comfortable, you know, the crosswinds I felt so for me and so at home and you know, there's all this talk about training at altitude and Boulder being the only place you can train if you want to win Kona and and I I think I, I think you enter a lot of strength out of being very, very familiar with the course, very familiar with the winds and, and very getting down with how you're going to attack the race and, and doing that in training, I think I'd grab more out of that than I would have ever got by living in attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then riding home, just, uh, riding back home, just obviously conserving a little bit, but just doing your bit. Yeah. Well, we had the group then, so yeah. unlike the year prior, I've now got five guys with me, and um, you yeah, know, so you've you're got in a your. Li- where you probably know is that you, you're one of the stronger runs in the group, so you don't. I'm looking at that. Oh, I'm looking at that group thing. Timo Bright thinking, okay, if he has a great day. He's a fantastic runner, and Andreas Railert. That's what I was honestly looking at. Marino was up the road, and I, even though Marino's run phenomenal run times, I, I have this confidence over Marino at the moment. I'm sure that's going to change. He's a brilliant, brilliant athlete, but I, I was confident with myself, the mano to mano on the run. There's nothing, Marino, he's my style of runner. He's not faster than me, or, you know, he's, he's a pace runner. And uh, Andreas is a fast runner, and that was scary. And, and Timo is. Uh, a tempo runner that 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 can be ugly, uh, and he's a smaller guy. He likes the heat, so I I, I was a bit intimidated by Timo, but so uh, I was happy. But I I was very very concerned about Andreas, so I put myself in the group 
as we went past Waikoloa, right behind Andreas. I wanted to watch him and look at him and see see how he looked in, in the ride up towards Scenic Lookout. And uh, I stood about eight miles behind him, and he looked uncomfortable. I'll admit he was out of the saddle a lot on the bumps, and uh, and he, he seemed to be you know struggling a little bit in the crosswind. But I, I, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just seeing things. You're, you're looking, you're hoping to see things yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that suit you. I'm like, you know, yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, it doesn't look good. And uh, and when we went up the scenic lookout, and there's a few bumps after the scenic lookout, which is about four, uh, 20 miles from home, a bit less, 18 miles from home, um, a few little hills up there, he started to leave gaps to Norman. Norman was um, starting to push it a bit. And I was like, man, that's he's leaving gaps here. And uh, I thought, that's it. I'm going to go. And I, um, when we just before the cemetery, or I knew the crosswinds came again, and there was a slight headwind, I, I went and Reynard again came with me and uh, we got away from the group. When I saw the group didn't respond, I was like, this is a oh, bonus. If I, can, yeah. if I can get a minute here, this will be great. And I was feeling very, very good. And uh, yeah, we rode in, Reynard and I, and uh, Reynard did... You know, I pushed all the way to the airport, and then Reynard was quite content to come around and take us pretty much all the way in from the airport home. So we were able to get about a minute 20 on the group. And so, so we know, know that your strategy seems to be over the last few years, you know, get off the bike and smack it in that first little bit just to kind of lay the smack down on the rest of the field. It was pretty much the same attitude this year? Yeah, I got off and I felt... And I felt very, very good. Um, I was very happy. My, again, quick transition and... Uh, and had the fuel belt got out, and I was—I felt the legs were great, and I—and uh, I, I had no idea at that stage how far we were. As I was running out, I saw Andreas's group coming in, which I knew was about a minute, but I had no idea whether we were five minutes up on the Alexander group or yeah, or course, ten minutes. So, yeah, I had no idea, so I thought, you know what? The next time Crow and that are going to see me, and and Erasmus, I was thinking Crow, Erasmus, Lanos, Bockel, Terenzo. Um, Brownie, yep. that were the people I'm thinking are in this group that are going to do, and Pete Jacobs, um, they're going to they're going to run quick, and I um, I said, well I got five miles, let's let's run six minute miles and make sure that when they see me, yeah, make them think far out this guy, and uh, I ran out and I felt magic, I was holding back, I was like, whoops, five forty too quick, yeah. you know, and whoops, and so I was I was actually holding back really really. And that's usually a good sign, as opposed to squeezing five fifties. And and um, I felt great. And I you know I worked the leaky drive up Pilani Hill. And uh, and when I saw um, the the Crowies group, they were eight thirty back. At that point, it was like game over for you guys. There's yeah. two blokes in this race. It's Raylert and Bracht. And uh, I need to be very very attentive of those guys. I didn't think Marino was going to hold off Timo. I, I, at that stage, I didn't think Marino would hold off Timo. So. I, that was something that came later to me in the marathon when I was seeing Marino was holding tough. I thought, geez, he's a big factor here. He's he's having a great day. He's had a great day, didn't he? Yeah, well, so for me, I guess when I got over um, Polani Hill, I was two minutes up on uh, Andreas Raylert. His brother Michael was on the course, and I, I said, it, it, what a class act. He was giving splits to the guys out there. They were legitimate splits. Oh, really? You know, cool. Really cool, and yeah. you know, the first split he gave me, I was, I was a bit tentative, and then I realised they were real splits. He was very, very supportive, and I remember thinking, "Geez, you boys are classy, real class acts." Yeah. And uh, I, you know, pushing out towards the energy lab, I, but you, I started so, losing. So at this stage, you're realising you're losing. He's starting to gain on you. 
Yeah, well, that's where I started. I was pushing out towards the energy lab. I had 220 over Polani Hill, and then I started losing 15 seconds a mile to him. Yeah. I was like, far out, okay, he's he's coming. And uh, I was having a bit of a, you know, I was, I was starting to push it, force it, you know, where the, where the miles were ticking up a lot easier along a leaky drive. I was starting to have to, to force out the six-minute miles here, and, uh, and I, although they were a bit higher, about 6.15s I was running, and I... Um, but I was losing 15 seconds, 15 seconds. And as I got to about mile marker 10, I was a minute 20 up and uh, 10 miles from the finish at mile marker 16. Yeah. I was a minute 20 up. I'd been losing exactly 15 seconds of mile time in those last four miles. I went, you know what? Jump off the gas. He's going to catch you. Yep. Just yourself. accept that he's going to catch you and um, take your time through the energy lab. Focus on your nutrition. You've been here a million times. You've been here so many times. This rate, you've got to be ready for the assault. Running good in the last ten kilometres, and let's focus on nutrition. Get ready for the for the for, for him for that run home. Yep. And uh, and when I made that decision, I felt good. I was good it, about it. it you it know, just take the emotion out of it. It does. It really does. That's yeah. exactly the best way of describing it. Like you're not forcing it anymore. You're like, okay, he's coming, and you you just make that decision, and you're like. Let's just slow it down a little bit yeah. and focus on, on what I can control. And, and I'd made the decision, accepted that he was going to get me by the time I came out of the energy lab, which was three miles, a bit over, you know, about four miles when I went in from where I'd made that decision. And I thought, he's going to get me as I come out of the energy lab. I'm going to have 10K with the guy. And, uh, and so every aid station then, as opposed to, you know, screaming through the aid stations, only getting half a cup of water and a bit of ice and, and Coke, Coke and missing it, I would just I slow down at the aid station. I'd get two cups of water, I'd drink them slowly, put the ice. I'd get two cokes. I really took my time in the aid station. I got my aid, you know, and I got the gel, boom, and took it. And then I went down. I got my special needs. And and as I came out of the energy lab, mentally I was prepared for him to be catching me. As I came out, I came out, and someone said 34 seconds. I was like, far out. He hasn't caught me yet. Yeah, and I've really taken my time in here. This is this is good. That's good. He's going to catch me with five miles to go. So I only have to run 8K with him. You know, you start looking for the positives. And then we got to five miles from home and someone said 18 seconds. I was like, man, and I was starting to feel good. I've, I've sort of relaxed for five so, so miles. The rest of the world is looking at you thinking, oh, he's got a crack. You're actually getting on top of the world going, yeah, yeah, well, you, yeah you're looking for positives. Yeah. And, I, and when you've made that, that decision and, and it's played out better than you than what you'd set yourself, yeah, that's good. a huge positive. You draw from that. It's an emotional time in the race for you, physically and emotionally. You, and you, you're looking for that, and it's it's playing into my court. So you're building a lot of confidence from that. And I'm like, man, I was prepared to run hard for 10K. I only have to run hard for 8K. Yeah. I only have to run hard for in the next mile. It, it was four miles to go. He was 18 seconds. I'm thinking, I only have to run hard for 6K. <laughs> I can do that easily. Okay, and okay, at this time, did you think... It's worth trying to just put a bit of smack down now and bridge the gap or make a bigger gap? Well, at this time, at 18 seconds, we had a ridiculous entourage of, of people and a lot of Germans, so I knew he was he was behind me. I, I, and I didn't like the fact that I couldn't see him. And so you're waiting between the mile markers to get the splits, but I could hear he was there because they're yelling and yelling and screaming, and so they're obviously yelling at someone who's right behind me. And so I thought, mate, if I was this guy and I've been chasing for five miles and the catch is right there... I'm going to try and squeeze to get across. You want to get across. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick this mile up a bit. And I I picked it up a little bit because I wanted him to squeeze it across or I wanted him to try and get across and not be able to do it, maybe crack. 
And so that mile, I I definitely slowly picked it up. And um, he still ran across to me, but I remember thinking that was definitely a quicker mile than the last mile. And um, that would have had, he would have had to pay for that. And he caught me with exactly three miles to go. Wow. It was exactly on the three mile to go marker. And I, um, I was like, okay, 5K, man. I've done this a million times. This is good. We ran about... This time, you know, was there any communication? Like what happened there? At that point, no. But about 400 metres into it, um, we hadn't said much. And now you've got people screaming and yelling yeah, at us. And, you know, everyone's... Yeah, you've got cars and motorbikes and wait, people wait, are like, honk, honk, honk. Just for a moment, what's that like in that moment? Um, it's, yeah, you're, you're not thinking of it. As, you're not thinking of it as... Yeah, you're thinking of it. As, you're still... I guess you're a racer in that sense. You're not thinking, "Wow, this is cool." Well, look at the cars. Look at the <laughs> well, look at the camera flashes. This is cool. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, "Okay, you yeah, know." So this, this co- the question. So, did you actually communicate with him? Yeah, I ended up turning to him and saying, um, "Mate, best of luck. You're a champion. Regardless of what happens here, you're a champion. May the best person win." And he put his hand out and said, "Maka, good luck," and we shook hands. And I said, "You too." And uh, we never said another word. But we, I, I, I have immense respect for Andreas, and we're both good friends on and off the course. So and it was. One thing I know about you, you know, you are a character, you know, character-driven athlete. You know, you, 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 as much as you are the scientist as well. But you know, you, you love the game. And how, like, was it an awesome moment for you? Because you know, like, you're the kind of guy who always is there for the challenge. It's about you being the best version of yourself. And you knew that in the next three miles of your life, you have a chance to be the best that you could ever be. Yeah. Well, I do remember thinking at that because it's amazing where your mind goes after that moment. I was thinking, man, this is uh, this is Mark and Dave. Yeah. Like I, you know, I've watched so many growing up with this sport, growing up with that video, and I'm thinking, man, this is Mark and Dave Hill. We're approaching Mark and Dave Hill. This is where Mark Allen made his move on Dave Scott. Regardless of what happens here, this is going to be a great race. Yeah. This is going to be one for the ages, yeah. you know, and. Uh, and we sort of got to that mark and Dave Hill, and I was thinking that, okay, okay, back to the, you know, back to the race. Don't, don't let your mind wander. Don't let your mind wander. This, it's not Mark and Dave. This is Macker and Raylert. Yeah. This is, you know, like, don't let your mind wander. You know, this isn't over to the pier. You know, and uh, on the hill, I and I really started, I, I squeezed it on that climb, and uh, because I remember thinking, Mark made his movie. Maybe I should go here and I squeeze it and then I panicked it's funny how it's influenced you hey (laughs) well you're trying to work you're looking for positives you know you're looking for what you know the things that that have worked or and I knew I knew so much about that I wore and that's and and it's it's also a great mark went there because it's a great place to go it's a hill yeah it's a a good it's a tactically smart place to make a move but I, I made that move and I remember panicking thinking Man, this guy's quick, and we're a long way from home to be committed. You don't have to win it two miles out. I need to win it at the pier. Yep. Don't panic. Don't rush it. Don't you know? And I think a younger me would have rushed it. Would have rushed that moment. I think that experience was like you know, don't, 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 don't. yeah, mate, be more patient here. Don't blow it. This is you know. And I I made the move and I gapped him. And I looked back and went, ooh, I gapped him very, very quickly. And I thought maybe he was being tactical here. So I decided to keep the the pace on the climb. And and I remember saying to myself, mate, it took him a mile to close that gap before. We've only got 200 metres to the top of this climb. If he closes that in the same amount of time, he's had to work. He has to have worked. And he did. Because 
I think, unfortunately for him, he had so many of the Germans around him. Yeah. Go, Andre, you must go, you must go. It makes you, you know, sometimes it makes you push. And he, he closed that gap very, very quickly up to climb. And I wasn't, I was, I was ticking along all right. And when he climbed and we crested together, he took this deep breath like a, like, yeah, uh, I, yeah I got him, you know, like I'm back on. I'm thinking, okay, don't rush this. And we turned down to Polani Hill and, and I started to pick it up down Polani. I heard him yell, Coke, Coke, Coke at the aid station. And I, I was like, far out. He's going to go for aid here. You know, he's going to, He's going to get a drink. Yeah. And I'm thinking, it's a downhill here. At the bottom of this hill, there's one mile to go. I know that. I've run it a million times with Terenzo in training. I've spread it from the, the banyan tree. If he goes for coke, you're out of here. I'm yep. going. And uh, he went to the aid station, and I went. And the minute he put those hands up, I went. I grabbed I grabbed the last cup, if I remember, of water, because the lady was right out in the street. And the hand was there, but I was in full flight. And I just sort of grabbed it, threw it on myself, and kept going. And I, and I think, you know, he... He closed the gap to get me. I gapped him again on the hill. He closed the gap, and now I've gapped him again. The frustration of that must have been, oh, yeah, he's got away from me up. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got away from me again. I can't get it. But this time I was, I was committed. I was like, this is it. This is, this is, this is every track session I've ever done in my life. This is every single day I've been away from my kids. This is for all the people that said I was old and over the hill. This is for, this is for my dad. This is for my mum. This is for my best mate. This is for me. This is, it comes down to this moment, and uh, I was committed at that point, and I was running running for home. I was like, this is a mile. You've done a mile a million times in your life. Yeah. This is it. And, uh, yeah, he broke in that section along there. I was able to turn onto a little lie road, and, and I knew I had the title. And, you know, I said after the race, and I've said it a lot since, you know, people talk about Ironman's being an eight-hour event, but Ironman's a one in a moment. Yeah. And they're lost in a moment, you know, and I know. You know, nine. I lost the Ironman in those three miles. I didn't lose it. Well, I could say I lost it in the swim, or I lost it in those three miles on the run where I walked. And and I won this year in that moment on Polani Hill when I made the move and committed to that move. That and you win an Ironman in a moment, and, uh, and a little snap of time was what won me the race. The emotion of of the, the finish. Before he went for the aid session, did you think it was going to go to a sprint? I I was into Torenzo and I. Yeah, well, Torenzo and I, funnily in training for um, the whole entire build, had talked about, you know, fantasized, I guess, about the two of us yeah, yeah, coming yeah, down together yeah. onto, a leaky, onto a leaky drive and we'd sprint it out, you know, and, and we used to joke about it. He'd be, he'd be like, you can't sprint old timer. And I'm like, man, I think I backed myself against you. And so we'd, we'd actually come down onto a leaky drive many times and from the banyan tree to the finish line, sprinted each other. So they're like, you know, doing these long runs with a sprint at the end, sprint at the end, sprint at the end. So in my head, way out when I made that decision from to let him catch me, I was thinking, mate, this is you and Terenzo sprinting from the banyan tree. You just got to run with this guy from the banyan tree. It is 42 seconds. We've done it 42 seconds from the banyan tree to the finish line. I've done it 10 times in camp. You can do this. And he doesn't know that I want to sprint from the banyan tree. Yep. I'm just going to run off him. So I actually thought yeah that i was uh i was going to go later but i took that opportunity when it arose when he when he went for the when he went for that water i thought you know what i'm going to take this chance and have a crack at it and so yeah. you, you obviously you, you take the chance you rock on you, you, you realize you've got it what's it like mate oh mate it was better <laughs> than the first time around simply because i 
it was I did it. When you talk to most people, they normally say the first one's always magic. No, this one, this one was better because I did it my way this time. I didn't do it the first time. I had to change who I was as a racer. I had to become a runner. I had to sit in the group. I had to be that guy. The I had to be that runner to win it because of the desperation to get my first title. But this year I won it the way I said I was going to. This year I won it on my terms by being an aggressive biker, by showing I'm rounded, by showing I don't have a weakness in Kona. You want to ride hard, or ride hard. You want to run hard, or run hard. And that's what makes it satisfying that now my Kona wins are won in two completely separate ways. I won one by being the best runner. I won one by being the best triathlete. And uh, and that's what I was thinking when I ran down. It was such a... It was like, you did it. And, you know, far out. You know, it was a process, you know, the... And, and I just felt so happy. The sponges were out. I was thinking, I'm going to get a better finish photo. <laughs> and and just my girls are at an age where they can appreciate it. Yeah, and yep. and I just and it was just a real personal. And for the, the people who have been around me a long time, it was a culmination. I guess in your in your career, as an athlete, or I guess as anything. I guess if I was, if I was an artist, I think that race on the two weeks ago was my masterpiece. It was the my the race I've hunted for my whole life when you do things the way you want to do it. It's, yeah. You know, like as much as everyone's saying you're an old bugger, it, it's ironic that you st- you can nail that, you know, like even where you are right now in your career. Yeah, yeah exactly. I I think, I think you know, age is, age is something, and I've said it a lot, that, that the media or other people tend to, to put on you. They don't give enough respect to experience, and, and in endurance racing, experience plays a lot of, you know, we're not running fast. You know, I'm not being, I'm not, you know, if, it's not as if these guys, if I was a marathon runner, I had to run 2.6 and you just, your body slows down, but I only have to run 2.40. And a lot of 55-year-old men run 2.40. Yeah. It, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, um, it, so I think you've got to look at things that way. And I think you've got to look at, you know, for me personally, I think experience and and race smarts and and, and the experience on a course plays a hell of a lot more dividends and a lot more positives than than just being a pure physical being and uh, and I think it, well, it's, you know it's interesting as you say that if we think about what you're just talking about your race you know those those moments that define the race really came down to really your experience didn't it a hundred percent a hundred percent and if you look at the guys who are still Chloe's my age he's, he's still right there Andreas is 35 he's no spring chicken um, Marino's 33 they're a lot they're a little younger than me and Chloe but a lot of the guys are in their 30s but they have a huge racing knowledge and, I, and racing experience and I think um, for me personally I've, I've learnt to give that the respect in my own mind where when I was much younger it was all about seek and destroy physical physical train harder be better be stronger be yeah. now it's like be smarter. Yep. Be smarter. You know, and um, be smarter than these guys. Outsmart them, yep. because you don't need to outbully them or outbrute them. Because a lot of the time, the younger guys will probably be able to beat you there. Mm. Just a couple of quick questions, kind of before we wrap up. What, what, what do you think of the sport moving forward? Uh, obviously, we've had the rule changes, and you know, you're, you're a knowledgeable man in the sport. So, what do you think's happening with the sport? And you know, are you happy with what's happening? Or yeah, I think you know that. You know, I'm not in the in the in the behind the scenes. I think they've got the best interests, I guess, at heart. I don't know, but uh, for me personally, I the way the sport's evolving. I went through this with the ITU. You know, it's 
I'm one of the few guys I mean, was recent way back in the day when the ITU brought their point system out for their Olympic qualifying points and, cha- and changed your ability of sponsorship and change. people are jumping up and down you can't do this but I think the ITU has gone on to become a phenomenal product and uh, you know change is always difficult I, I, I do I do think um, the professional side for the second tier pro is, is very very difficult now I think there's no support for them, and that's 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 sad for me because I think, you know, you took take someone like a Craig Alexander who has really shone these last five years of his career. Had the system been in place now, that back then he may never have hit his potential because he would have been forced out of the sport because he couldn't have been able to afford to do it. You know, we were lucky we had a system back in Australia where there was Olympics and stuff, and we could sort of ride our way through that and stay in the sport, but this WTC's new system and the lack of funds for for athletes is, is going to make it difficult for that second tier. So I do worry. You know, I, I do. I am apprehensive, but I just hope, I guess I, I have put faith in the sport as a sport that that people are, there are people out there like me who love this sport, who are passionate about it, who will do the right things for it because they they want to see it be better and better you know I'm bigger and uh you know I just hope that's that's the driving force behind the people at the helm of this thing I've got this gut feeling it's not the main priority but there are people in there that I do know love it and I just hope they've they think things out so so the plan moving forward now mate you know like what's what's happening now um, I now a lot of attention goes into this kind of shit, you know, like imagine you're doing these kind of interviews and a lot of your attention, you know, you, now you're back on the pedestal, you know. Like. Yeah, yeah, now, now everyone's my friend again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, yeah, I'm getting emails from people I haven't spoken to for three years. But now I, um, now for me, I'm taking downtime. Like we're very, very busy here in the States. We've uh, got some meetings with some publicists in New York yeah, next you week. Yeah, I do, and I, I just want to enjoy it. And um, you know, we've, the sport's been very, very good to myself and my family. And you know, I want to make sure they enjoy the ride with me. And um, it's 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 definitely been a an enormous buzz because I think the way it unfolded, and the fact that no one backed me in this age thing, has played a big positive in this second win. You know, I'm, it's um, it's created a lot of hype and a hype outside the sport, which has been which is very, very different to the first time around. And, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of, lot of positive things on the horizon. We've got some, had some very, very interesting meetings and uh, it's been a great, great, great two weeks. Um, just, just to the last note, um, you, you're, you're like, if, if, if any athlete or if anyone's out there wants to see an amazing example of how to do social networking, you, you've really nailed the social networking thing, haven't you? Yeah, I, I just enjoy I think it's, I think, it's just my personality and my love of the sport. I think my community I've built on Facebook, I try and give back as much as I possibly can. And I think that's why the community's become so big. It's not fake. Yeah. It's not, I look at other people's Facebook communities and go, man, that's so, it's such a NASCAR commercial, man. Yeah. Like, hey, be real, dude. Like, uh, and I, I'm, I think people have, people have warmed to that. I, I'm real. I just I, I want to see people enjoy my sport. I love the sport, and um, you know I want. And I think the community's, you know, the community's very absorbed in that. I like to give stuff away. I like to to give information. I like to write blogs and stuff that help other people achieve, or get from the sport what I've got from it. Because you know I've said it a million times. I'll be doing triathlon forever. I enjoy the sport first. It's the sport I picked. I enjoy the challenge. I I enjoy 
enjoying being a part of it and I, and I enjoy the communities I've built, you know, through my social network platforms and I think it's it's funny that I've, uh, you know, for years I was told I was the most hated, you know, I'm seven or eight times bigger on these social platforms than anyone else. Yeah. I thought I was the most unpopular one, it's what my peers tell me. I am going to check one more question at you, I know I'm taking up heaps of your time, but there's one more question. How important is the legacy now that you've got the second one for you? I think it, you know, I never, I, you know, did I chase legacy? I, I was never, never, in these last few years of thinking, oh, I want to, you know, I want to be remembered. I want these people to pay homage to me in 10 years. I I'm, I don't care. Like, I really don't. I know, I know the fickleness of triathlon. Guys like me pay homage to the guys of the past, and there's guys like yourself, but most of the young, most people don't care anymore. Like, so, uh, I never thought, you know, we don't have this huge Hall of Fame that people are going to forever watch. So for me, it was always been a personal legacy. For me, it was all a matter of being respected by the peers I looked up to. And for me to sit in a room, post this win with Mark Allen, and for him to say to me, that's the greatest Ironman I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That means a lot to me. Yeah. And for me to get an email from Simon Lifford or Peter Reid, and for them, that's what I take from it. It's not about how other people view me. It's it's always, for me, it's always been how I've been judged and viewed by my peers and whether they like me or hate me I think they have to say well he did alright he was uh, he did it differently but geez, he, he, mil- he, did, he did well out of that game he was you know he was a clever cat yeah. um, I remember last year the, the after party I came up to and just kind of congratulated you on your race because I, I kind of I was actually at the um, beside you in the moment when you cracked and, and then I kind of saw you coming back and I remember just thinking that was an amazing effort and going into this year's race where a lot of other people were riding you off I kind of said well if Mac is here one thing we know about Mac is his character is never going to let him down and I think for our sport you know what you bring for our sport is just a really great thing and so I just want to say thanks for being you and uh, congratulations on a bloody great victory mate I, I know all our listeners were just watching it you know we're all twittering each other on the day and so uh, just you know congratulations and uh, you really deserve that amazing victory mate Oh, mate, thanks very much, and keep doing what you do. I love listening to the show. Believe it or not, I learn a lot about my competitors by listening to your show. <laughs> I love you, mate. <laughs> um, say that again. Outstanding interview. Because <laughs> he said that before we had to go back and record. Um, yes, it was, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Life-changing, John. I'm, I'm sure. What, what was your highlight? Um... Part when he said, Coach John Newsom, it was part of the motivation for me, and I'd like to thank him for doing that. Yeah, you, honestly, I couldn't shut him up then. I was like, make it just shut up. Uh, John hasn't listened to the interview, obviously. Uh, just quick questions and answers. Do you want to do the intro? Questions and answers. Oh, actually, what I was going to say is I just love the way Mac is accessible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're not following on Facebook, guys, or Twitter, or one of those, you know, kind of social networks, he's one of the, he's one of the guys who's just always there giving back to his community and so you know yeah get involved because it's all good uh, questions and answers just a couple questions or things about Sean Burke's interview people seem to like the interview which is really great but he did mention the ice compression shorts mm-hmm. and we didn't put a link to that on the website I'll chuck that on there today the website is dub 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 110 playharder.com but I'll also put a link to it. Our... I think they're sending us a pair but they sound pretty sound pretty good oh do they mm. okay well we're putting a link on our website this week so you guys can check it out and also uh, Carl Coleman just wondered if Sean could mention he mentioned using some hypno- hypnosis tapes to help him get naps now Sean if you could just email us through those and we'll um, or the name of them and we'll uh, let people know about them that was it John cool 
question. Oh, those sponsors. Athletics. Okay, John, talk about it. Get yourself the t-shirt. They've got t-shirts on there, and they're 18 bucks US. Really? It's styly. They are styly. 18 so, bucks. Great way to support. Okay, John, um, when you go to Athletics, where do you find the t-shirts? Um... There, there's a little bar there. What oh, are you wearing? Yeah. The new Athlinks T-shirts. There's a little bar across the um, the top there, so you can either do that, or alternatively, on the top right-hand corner, there is a shop. There's a shop button up there. You can also click on that. It's 18 bucks. They're looking good. You have a variety of colours. And nice simple. I like simple design. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like some simple design, mm-hmm. and it's nice simple design, but good fitting and nice colours. Yeah, because you don't, you, don't, you know you don't want that. that you know, tent t-shirt. I'm glad they have, that doesn't look, they, they don't do men's in pink, do they? No, John. Good. I don't think they do. Blue and charcoal, charcoal black. black. So get on there. It's a great way to, if you're short of a t-shirt, get a t- nice cheap t-shirt and also support one of the companies that are supporting the show and supporting the sport. And one other thing, while you're on there, make sure that you keep your upcoming events up to date so then they know the events are coming up so they can make sure they've got the most comprehensive sort of uh, database of of events so just get on your calendar and just put the events that you're doing that are coming up and then we can see what events are coming up and we can give some of the I Am Talk listeners a bit of love which we're about to do in a moment and, going slow. and uh, just get on it's Athletics t-shirts 18 bucks and I think I read on there it's free, free uh, this might only be for American listeners free shipping while it lasts 18 bucks is nothing it's nothing honestly because I, I have a policy John 20 bucks, yeah, I pay more than 20 bucks. 25 t-shirt. t-shirt 25. 25 t-shirt policy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless, I, like, occasionally I'll go 30 if it's really, It's got to really be good nice. for 30. It's got to be good for 30. But honestly, with Athlinks, I'd be getting quite a few of those because mm-hmm. $18. We're having issues here, John. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, it's, it's just, just one thing, M, M, she's on Facebook now. She is. So give her the old I like. She's got a nice little page on Facebook. Okay, I'll, I'll give her some, just, I'll put a link. On good. our website, so you guys can go on there and give her a bit of I like. Just search for M's Power Cookies or go to our website. Give her a bit of I like. Hey, M, I like. Get some cookies. Oh, man, that's so good. Okay, um, Jombo, tell me about your life. Uh, paid for my pool over the weekend. It was nice. quite a mission. Really? Quite hot. Quite toasty oh, yesterday. Yeah, you were getting, yeah, it was hot yesterday, wasn't it? And when you're in a little confined space there, <laughs> it was roasting. Really? So it's all good. Pool's going to be ready for summer. Oh, nice. And other than that... Just get ready to run this weekend. Run for us, run. Taper this week? Taper this week. No, 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 too extreme taper. Went and did an hour and a half in the hills yesterday with my fellas, my homies. Your homeboys? And because I just probably don't think I need quite as extreme taper because I haven't been doing extreme training. So, but I'll be tapering off this weekend and looking forward to it. It's I was, an art form, isn't it? I was going to do a big, but if you hadn't hogged all the limelight this week with your uh, big, big interview. Oh, I'm sorry. And, we, and, we, can, we, could, we can delay it to next well, week if you want. Maybe we could cut it down. I was <laughs> going to do sort of a pre-race sort of... Um, oh. Race plan type thing, but I, and one of the concerns I did have, I was thinking, oh, it could be a bit hot up there, toasty in Auckland. But the race starts at six twenty in the morning, so I'm thinking it could be warm, but it's not going to be too much of an issue. No, you have any used to humidity in Auckland, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so should be good. Uh-huh. Clothing change. So I, I mentioned last week that I was going to be wearing my Canterbury Tri Club singlet. I won't be wearing that. I'll be wearing an Epic Camp singlet. Why? Because I need to have something where I can carry my gels in the back. Uh-huh. So I'll just be. Wearing, I'll be looking like a bit of a Tri Geek. Because yeah, well, won't you? Because you'll be showing your bottom stomach off. Oh no, the the umph ones go right down, uh-huh, so it should be okay. I can just pull my shorts up. The umph ones. Does does it bounce in the back? No, not really. Well, no, if, if you've only got five gels, if you've got like 50 in there, yeah, they probably would. 
Mm. Yeah. I do the rip the gel over the short thing. It works for me. Yeah, I, I, I get it cut up. Uh, yeah. Through yeah. the pain to the glory. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Going to get absolutely spanked. Hopefully I don't get checked. You won't get checked at 240, will you? Uh, no. Probably not. No, not, not normally. Auckland. Not normally. No. So, we'll see. What about your life, Bevan? Well, John... I haven't put my sign up outside your place yet. Oh, yeah, so John rings me the other day. I don't even get calls from John when he wants something from me. <laughs> <laughs> this relationship, we've got problems, mate, I tell you. Communication's down. We need counselling. Yeah, we do, I think we do. Because he brings me, he goes, oh, oh, how you going, mate? He's always a little bit friendlier when he wants something, eh? He's a bit interesting. Oh, how's your day going? Oh, it's going good, mate. He goes, oh, yeah, I just... I've got some signs I want to put up. In my house... I'm kind of on a busy road, aren't I? On the corner, yeah. Yeah, on the corner of a busy road. And so my fence is kind of perfect to put a sign on, but I often get people, you know, so you can advertise whatever's happening around there. And John's got an event happening. What's the event called, John? The House of Travel Triathlon Festival. What's the website? <laughs> Triathlonfestival.co.nz. And John rings me and goes, Oh, yeah, here you go, mate. The good oh, sun's out. Beautiful. Oh, look at day. <laughs> look at day. I hope you're having a good day. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he goes, Oh, can you put a sign on your fence? And I'm like, Oh. <laughs> Because I never let people put signs on my fence because it attracts graffiti. It does. You know those kids. Because they think they'll draw on the sign, but then suddenly a bit of spray goes off the side. And see many people drawing on signs, but I understand your rationale. Yep, so... And if you feel strongly about it, I won't... No, no, John, because because you, you seemed that you cared about me when you did it so yeah. much yeah. that I thought, well, yes, I'll let him do it. Yeah. So he's putting it aside. So if you're going to drive past my house, I'm um, St. Martin's in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Sort it out, come along. Nice. You, can, you can do the sign. Yeah, well, I went, I went out and I started putting a few. I've got 50 signs. and um, Bit of a mission putting them up, isn't it? It, it is a little bit, yep. But uh, put one up on Dyer's Pass and some prick pulled it down. <laughs> oh, really? And it's gone? No, it was up there. I was running down the hill yesterday and I looked over and I was thinking, there's my side, because it was next to one of the festival of cycling ones as well. Somebody pulled both of them down. Oh, really? So I went bang, put them back up. Oh, last good night. on you, John. Good on you. Even the cycling one, did you? No, they didn't have oh. Well, my drill bit was the wrong size. So I did actually try. I was going to share the love, but their drill bit thing was a different size. Did you go to the concert? No. Oh. Did you? No. No. Well, that's a bit boring. Great. Hey, my amazing race for my monthly challenge. Oh, okay. Huge success. What do you do in an amazing race? What we did is we headed around Higley Park. You had to find different locations, come back to the home base and do physical exercises before right. you moved on. But there was like, you know, you could miss a station, you could get penalties. It was very good. But next month, and this is where I need the people in Christchurch's love, next month I've hired out QE2. Mm-hmm. On the 28th of November, which is the Sunday, the last weekend of Sunday, I'm having a sports day, an athletics day. What, John? They're all coming to my Splash and Dash kids event. Kids event? Yeah. Oh, what's a Aquathon. Is that at QE2? No, it's at Jelly Park. Why would you have a Q2? You have a Q2, we can make it work. No, I've already, the promo's out there. Uh, Kids, if you want to come do a Splash and Dash, if yeah. anybody else can go and do Family day. Splash what and time's your thing? Starts at 10. Oh, I could probably do both. It'd be a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I think my thing's like at 9, I think. I have athletic staff, so I've hired out QE2, which is massive in itself, so I can't just get 50 people turning up. I need to get a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've got people in Christchurch, it's, it's a fun day where you just do athletics. It's going to be lots of fun. Gonna have, it's going to be life-changing, John. So tell your friends, bring them along. Other than that, John, one last thing before we wrap up this week's show, because we'll probably get some new listeners because of the Macro interview, and I'm sure they're loving this part of the show. I bought myself some new jeans in Australia. Right. And I'm pretty cheap. And I used to have a jean policy as well, Mm -hmm. that if you're going to buy jeans, $50. Do you have, um, is it CPI or whatever, is it inflation adjusted? No, I kind of do play a bit ignorant like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because if, if I see a t-shirt, I really like it, it's straight at 25, I'm like, well, it's 25. Come home, it's 33, I admit. But, yeah. but anyway, so I, I normally just buy 
you know, fifty dollar jean policy. Because you go to outlet malls, you can always get. But I kind of been look, looking at my fashion lately and noticing my jeans is just letting me down. Slipping, 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 slipping a little bit. <laughs> you never wear jeans. Well, not when you're around. Yeah. And then, so in Australia, I bought myself some flash industry jeans, John. And you know how much they cost me? Nine nine ninety nine. No, hundred and sixty bucks. I know, John. But this weekend, I bought my jeans. Got quite a few comments on my cool jeans. I was loving it. So worked. Got home last night, couldn't be bothered cooking dinner, so I got old bangers and <laughs> veggies. Mm-hmm. Got the old mustard out because I do like a bit of mustard and tomato sauce mm-hmm. with my bangers. Yeah. Squirt the mustard all over my jeans. Tragedy. A tragedy. Call Joe, said, Joe, get around here immediately. I need some jeans. You know what wash. I did? I just went straight to the supermarket, mm-hmm. bought some stain remover. Whew. Luckily, the jeans are okay. Disaster averted. <laughs> I tell you. So, uh, a little bit of stress in my life, John, but luckily I made it through it. That is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is right up there. Okay, guys. Well, that's this week's show. Thanks, Mecca, for coming on the show. Uh, we are back next week, and we've got some more interviews next is week. Is he racing next year? I'll pick him next year if he's racing. Yeah, he is. Yes. Yeah. Because he said to me, John is my inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and if John says I should race, I'm going to race. No, um, he said that the day he feels he's not in the race anymore... It's the day he quits. Well, if you listen to the interview, you'd know that. It was a great interview. It was life-changing. Radio. Right, yeah. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. <laughs>